this parable of Jesus should shock us today. I think when we hear this parable, because it's so well known, we can kind of turn off our brains and kind of be like, oh yeah, yeah, like I get it. When I was this tall and in CCD on Wednesday nights, back when CCD, Faith Formation, Religious Ed, all the different names we have, you know, I learned from a young age that when Jesus says, love your neighbor, it's not just like the person who lives next to me or the person next to me in the pew, but it's, it's universal. We're called to love and serve everyone because this is who Jesus is. And our school kids at St. Rosa Lima, our Faith Formation kids today, they learn that when they're about this tall too, maybe even shorter. And that's great, right? This is foundational to how we live as Catholic Christians, the call to love everyone, to be neighbor to everyone. But we forget sometimes that that is actually a very novel thing to say. Not everyone believes that. Not every religion teaches that. This is shocking to hear Jesus say that it's not just like the person who's part of your tribe, a part of your family, people who are like you, but it's universal. What Jesus does in this parable is he turns neighbor from being an object of someone who's out there. Who's my neighbor out there? Well, maybe it's this section of people, or maybe it goes this wide, or maybe it's this wide. He turns neighbor from an object into a subject. I am to become neighbor. I am to love and serve and assist anyone who I encounter. That's who I'm called to be. It's not about someone out there. So we're called to become neighbor to all. It's no longer us and them. God's mercy and love are without limits. So we're called to be neighbor to all, and that should be shocking in a good way. Of course, we're always called to grow in this, right? Our minds can easily make up reasons why I shouldn't help that person or I don't have much in common with them. And we're always called to grow to become more like Jesus, who, as St. Paul said to the Colossians, is the image of the invisible God. When we're baptized, Jesus lives in us, and now you and I are the visible image of the invisible God on this earth. It's amazing. So that's the first way this should kind of shock us today, to remember how how different and unique this is, this love of Jesus. Secondly, and perhaps more shocking, is this. Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero of this story. He's the one who is doing the law. Remember, the scholar comes up, the scholar who's well-trained, he's trying to serve God with all that he is, he knows the law of Moses, faithful Jew. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, it's not just about knowing the commandment, it's about doing it, it's about action, carrying it out. And so Jesus makes the one who does the law the Samaritan. Now recall that Samaritans are kind of like the estranged family of the Jews. Samaritans in the north were conquered by Assyria around 700 BC. They intermarried. They had a lot of false gods. Things were really crazy up there. And even though they're related to the Jews, they're kind of like foreigners. They're almost like Gentiles. They're the ones who are corrupting true religion. They believe in Moses. They follow the Torah as best they can, but not the whole Torah. And when they offer sacrifice, they don't sacrifice in Jerusalem like every faithful Jew should. That's where you worship. 
They go to Mount Gerizim, a different mountain. And so they're rivals, they're, they're enemies, there's a lot of bad blood. I think the, the Samaritans are kind of like those awkward aunts and uncles at your family reunion where you're like, okay, like I'm fine getting together with you for like one day of the year, but like not much more than that, please. This is pretty awkward. I remember that, yeah, well, there's some weird stuff going on here. Samaritans were that times a hundred. And Jesus makes him the hero. Who was neighbor to the man who fell victim to the robbers? And the scholar gives the right answer. The one who treated him with mercy. Literally in the Greek, the one who did mercy to him. The one who did mercy. What must I do? The one who did mercy. Go and do likewise. Jesus makes the Samaritan the teacher of the law. Should the Samaritan be worshiping in Jerusalem? Absolutely. Should he be following the whole law of Moses? Should he get with the program? Does God have more for him? Of course, yeah. But in that moment, in that moment on the side of the road, when he does mercy, he's doing God's will. He's fulfilling the law. Because the law is summarized in love. Love of God and love of neighbor. This is the fullness of the law. And Christ himself says in the gospel, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What this means for us, brothers and sisters, is that we should always remember that we're called not just to know the law, but to do it. And to do mercy to one another. To give mercy to one another. And in our lives, we meet people who are doing mercy to one another. They are carrying out God's will in that moment of need and suffering. And we should not disdain that. We should not somehow think that we're unconnected or unrelated or that this doesn't matter. Because, yeah, maybe they're not celebrating the Eucharist with us. Maybe they are far from the church of the faith for some reason. Maybe they were never taught. Maybe they were taught incorrectly. Maybe they had something happen to them that pushed them, pushed them away. We don't know. But whenever mercy is done to another, God is present. Whenever one comes upon someone wounded and suffering and chooses to give of themselves to love them, something of God is revealed. And who are we to disdain that? Sometimes we are taught about mercy from very surprising sources, from people we don't expect. And as disciples of Jesus, we should rejoice to be taught about God by whoever shows mercy more than us. If someone's more merciful than me and I see it, thanks be to God. This is a call for me to actually follow Jesus more closely. This is a call for me not say, well, you're a Samaritan, or you, you, you do these things. You worship on Mount Gerizim. Who are you? You're that weird uncle. You're, the, you're that family member that's kind of out there. Go and do likewise. The one who treated him with mercy was neighbor to the victim. As we celebrate the Eucharist today, brothers and sisters, we know that in celebrating this, we carry out Jesus' desire do this in memory of me. 
I pray that you may all be one. I want to feed you with my very self. This is what I desire. We know we fulfill that desire as we worship in this Eucharist. May this Eucharist also fulfill that desire of Jesus, who wants all people, wherever they may be, to be filled with the Spirit and to do mercy. For Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice.